ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so carrying on then with Kitab al-Tawheed of al-Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala we were on the chapter of al-Shafa'ah and in the first lesson that we did on al-Shafa'ah we explained the definition linguistically and then also mentioned the conditions for the affirmed type of al-shafa'ah and then also mention some of the examples from the day of judgment where shafa'ah will occur and those examples were mostly of the types of shafa'ah that are specific to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shafa'ah that not even the other prophets and messengers will do on that day. Only the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam does. And then there were some general examples of other types of shafa'ah. Generally mentioning that the angels do intercession also. The believers do intercession also. The children, it was mentioned, do intercession also. Then after that, we looked at the, or we began looking at the actual evidences in this particular chapter. So the first one mentioned was the ayah, وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ أَنْ يُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ لَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِنْ دُونِهِ وَلِيٌّ وَلَا شَفِيعٌ We covered that ayah already last time. And then the ones after that, قُلْ لِلَّهِ الشَّفَاعَةُ جَمِيعًا Covered that one last time. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ We did that one last time. Those were ayat mentioning the conditions required for the affirmed shafa'ah. And those conditions, you could summarize them into two. Or you could mention them as some scholars do as three. And those conditions were what then? The pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with both of them. Rid Allah. That Allah is pleased with the shafi' and the mashfu' lahu. The one who is having the intercession done for him. And the one who is interceding. That they are both from those whom Allah is pleased with. And Rid Allah, Allah being pleased with them, it means that they must both be people of Tawheed. So that can be one condition or two sometimes. Some of the scholars mention that separately, and some of them put it together as one. And the second condition then was the permission of Allah. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ Except with his permission. And we also covered that in the ayah after that. وَكَمْ مِنْ مَلَكٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ لَا تُغْنِي شَفَاعَتُهُمْ شَيْئًا إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ أَنْ يَأْذَنَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَرْضَى So here it was talking about even the malak, وَكَمْ مِنْ مَلَكٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ How many of the angels there are in the heavens? لَا تُغْنِي شَفَاعَتُهُمْ شَيْئًا That even their intercession will not suffice for anything, إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ Except after أَنْ يَأْذَنَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَرْضَى after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permits for whom he wills and is pleased with them. 
So then we come to the next section now that we didn't cover what is left of this chapter. And notice that this chapter is quite a bit longer than the other chapters. And that is because, as we've mentioned, one of the key aspects of shirk that occurred at the time of the mushrikun, that occurred throughout history and continues to occur up until this day, is this argument of shafa'ah. It is one of the key aspects or the key entrance points into shirk occurring. So the shaykh, it appears, has therefore extended this chapter a little bit more than most of the other chapters and mentioned a few more evidences compared to some of the other chapters. So then the next ayah, وَقَوْلِهِ قُلِ ادْعُوا الَّذِينَ زَعَمْتُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Say, call upon those whom you claim besides Allah. They do not control مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ that is the smallest of thing that you can think of. The purpose and the point of mithqalu dharrah is to highlight even the tiniest thing. And that's why in some of the translations you see them saying an atom's weight. Meaning even the smallest thing. They do not have control over the smallest of things in the heavens nor in the earth. وَتَمَامًا لِآيَتَيْنَ وَمَا لَهُمْ فِيهِمَا مِنْ شِرْكٍ وَمَا لَهُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ ظَهِيرٍ وَلَا تَنْفَعُ الشَّفَاعَةُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ And then the end of the ayatain, it mentions that they, that they do not have any participation nor is there any equivalent or equal, and neither does their intercession benefit whatsoever with him, except for the one whom he gives permission to. So these types of ayat have been mentioned in the previous chapters as well, highlighting the falsehood of all of that which is called upon besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةِ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ They do not have control over or own, have any authority over even an atom's weight, meaning even the smallest of things. They have nothing. And so they are not deserving of any worship in any way. And they are not deserving of ibadah in any way besides Allah. Then he mentions the statement of Ibn Taymiyyah. Qala Abu al-Abbas. Abu al-Abbas here in reference to Ibn Taymiyyah. Nafallahu amma siwahu kullama yata'allaqu bihi al-mushrikun. Fanafa an yakuna lighayrihi milkun aw qistun minhu aw yakunu awnan lillah walam yabqa illa shafa'ah. فَبَيَّنَ أَنَّهَا لَا تَنْفَعْ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ الرَّبِّ كَمَا قَالَ وَلَا يَشْفَعُونَ إِلَّا لِمَنْ يَرْتَضَى Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah His statement here is quoted by Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab as a clarification and an explanation of the ayah that has just been mentioned. Saqa rahimahullah kalam Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah fi tawdih hadhihi al-ayah wa tafsiriha wa khatama bihi hadha al-bab al-azim al-lazhi huwa babu shafa'ah. So he has mentioned the statement of Ibn Taymiyyah to give further clarification on the ayah that has been mentioned and then he concludes this chapter coming along now upon this affair.
وَقَدْ مَضَى And in fact, the statement of Ibn Taymiyyah then, he mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has negated everything that the mushrikun attach themselves to besides Allah. Nafa, nafa Allah, amma siwahu kullama yata'allaqu bihi al-mushrikun. Everything that the mushrikun they cling on to besides Allah, all of those false deities of theirs, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has negated them all. فَنَفَى أَنْ يَكُونَ لِغَيْرِهِ مِلْكٌ أَوْ قِسْطٌ مِنْهُ So Allah negated that any of these other so-called deities can have any share in the kingdom or dominion alongside him or from him. أَوْ يَكُونُ عَوْنًا لِلَّهِ Or that they, any of these other so-called deities would be a helper to Allah. Allah negated all of that. And that's why the scholars, they mention, Allah negated having any equal or partner. And Allah negated not only that, but having any participant in any way in His kingdom. And not only that, but Allah negated having any helper in any way in His kingdom. And from that angle, the scholars have mentioned, that's why... Allah has highlighted that he does not beget any son, he does not have any son, any child, any wife, because that in reality is a deficiency. We in creation are in need of families and children and offspring. We are in need of those things in creation. But... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need for that. We grow old and we are in need of our children to take care of us. When we become old and the parents become old, and we are in need of our sons and our children, they are now the ones with strength and power and ability. And the parents grow old and become weak. So we in creation require family and children But that is a deficiency to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to say that He requires or is in need of any child or son to assist Him in any way or any family to be there to assist Him in any way. Rather the oneness and the complete might and majesty of Allah is in the fact that He does not require anyone, any child, any wife, any offspring that He is the one alone, mighty and majestic and powerful. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Say that He is Allah the one. Uh, and then it mentions that there is nothing, nothing remains, nothing else is there except the intercession. And then He clarified that it will not benefit either except for the one whom Allah gives permission to, as He mentioned in the Qur'an, وَلَا يَشْفَعُونَ إِلَّا لِمَنِ ارْتَضَى That they cannot intercede except for the one whom Allah is pleased with. فَقَدْ مَضَى الْكَلَامِ فِي أَوَّلِ الْبَابِ وَمَا فِيهِ مِنْ آيَاتِ وَأَحَدِيثِ وَمَا فِيهِ مِنْ تَفْصِيلِ فِي أَمْرِ الشَّفَاعَةِ The Shaykh says, Shaykh Al-Fawzan, In the explanation we've already covered in the opening section of the chapter regarding the details of intercession. لِأَنَّ أَمْرَ الشَّفَاعَةِ أَمْرٌ مُشْكِلٌ مِنْ قَدِيمِ الزَّمَانِ وَحَدِيثِهِ Because this affair of intercession, it is a problematic affair from olden times to the current times. لِأَنَّ كَثِيرًا أَوْ جَمِيعًا مَنْ يَقَعُ مِنْهُمُ الشِّرْكِ فِي الْعِبَادَةِ بِدُعَاءِ الْأَوْلِيَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ وَالْمَوْتَى إِذَا سُئِلُوا وَقِيلَ لَهُمْ هَذَا شِرْكِ قَالُوا لَا هَذَا لَيْسَ بِشِرْكِ 
لأننا لم نقصد أن نعبد من دون الله أحدا لأننا نعلم أن العبادة حق لله ولكن هؤلاء أناس صالحون لهم مكانة عند الله So this is a problematic affair throughout history in the past and in the present because the Sheikh says many of those in fact maybe all of them who fall into shirk in ibadah by calling upon the awliya calling upon the righteous ones calling upon the deceased when they do so besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they are asked or it is said to them that this action of yours is shirk they say no our action is not shirk we do not intend to worship these people in the graves in the uh, the dead the awliya whomsoever we do not intend to worship them they will even say inna na'lamu anna al-ibadah haqqun lillah we know that worship is the right of Allah. But, however, لكن هؤلاء أناس صالحون لهم عند الله مكانة. But, however, these people are great righteous individuals and they have station and rank with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمِنَ الْعَادَةِ أَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ إِذَا كَانَ لَهُ حَاجَةٌ عِنْدَ السُّلْطَانِ وَعِنْدَ الْمَلِكِ أَنَّهُ لَا يَتَقَدَّمُ إِلَيْهِ بِحَاجَتِهِ مُبَاشَرَةٌ لِأَنَّهُ يَخْشَى أَنْ لَا يُقْبَلَ مِنْهُ أَوْ لَا يُعْرَفُ فَحَتَّى لَا يُرَدَّ طَلَبُهُ يَجْعَلْ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْمَطْلُوبِ مِنْهُ وَاسِطَةٌ فَهَذِهِ الْوَاسِطَةُ تشفع له عند من عنده طلب المحتاج هذا حاصل ما يجيبون به so they say we know it's the right of Allah worship and we're not worshiping these dead people when they go to their graves and their shrines and their tombs we're not worshiping them we know worship is the right of Allah they say but these people were great noble righteous pious people and they have station and rank and respect with Allah. And as is the habit of the people in creation, if you need to go to somebody of high position to make a request, you fear that if you, an unknown person, go to this great high-ranking individual, that your request may not be given any importance so then you seek for someone who has some understanding with that individual or has some position in regards to that individual, hoping that he will take your request to him and therefore your request is more likely to be answered. And so based upon that logic in creation, then they implement the same with regards to them and Allah, believing that these righteous people in their graves can take their dua for them, and they claim that isn't shirk. But their claim and justification is false. لِأَنَّ قِيَاسَ الْخَالِقِ عَلَى الْمَخْلُوقِ قِيَاسٌ بَاطِلٌ because making that comparison between the Creator and the creation is false. And we've already mentioned that before, and we spoke about that example in a previous class. And the Shaykh, he just mentions a few examples further to that. لِأَنَّ اللَّهَ يُنَزِّهُ أو يُنَزَّهُ أَنْ يُقَاسْ بِأَحَدٍ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from being compared to anyone, anything in his creation. Qala subhanah, فَلَا تَضْرِبُوا لِلَّهِ الْأَمْثَالِ So do not give any examples or draw any comparisons, any examples, any parables to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Indeed Allah knows and you do not know. وَقَالْ لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ That there is nothing like unto Allah and He is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. That ayah is the core and the basis of Tawheed. Al-Asma'i wa-Sifat. Tawheed al-Asma'i wa-Sifat. It is established upon the core of this meaning. Laysa kamithlihi shay' wa huwa al-Sami'u al-Basir. Because within that is a negation of any comparison, any resemblance to Allah. But there is an affirmation of his attributes. And similarly, وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ That there is no kufuwan, meaning no shabih and nadir, no equal, no comparable, no one resembling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way. إِلَىٰ غَيْرِ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا بَيَّنَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ أَنَّهُ لَا يَجُوزُ أَنْ يُقَاسَ بِخَلْقِهِ أَوْ أَنْ يُشَبَّهَ بِخَلْقِهِ لِوُجُودِ الْفَرْقِ الْعَظِيمِ بَيْنَ الْخَالِقِ وَالْمَخْلُوقِ And there are many other evidences where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clarified to us that there cannot be any comparison or resemblance made to Him between the creation and the Creator due to the vast difference between the Creator and the creation. And we mentioned the example before regarding the vastness of this creation. You have all of this earth, all of the vast amount of this earth and the size of this earth. And then you have the moon and the sun and everything you see. Then the heavens above that 500 years gap between one of the heavens to the next. And then above it all is the throne of Allah and the footstool of Allah. And the example of the size of the footstool of Allah compared to the throne of Allah is like a ring thrown in a vast desert. A ring thrown into a vast desert. The ring is the example of the footstool and the vast desert is the example of the throne. But then the narration highlights that the example of the footstool itself compared to all of this creation now the footstool becomes like the size of the desert and all of this creation is the ring. If all of this creation compared to the footstool of Allah, all of this creation is like a ring in a vast desert. But then when you think about and compare the footstool of Allah to the throne of Allah, the footstool ends up just a tiny ring in a vast desert. What therefore of the comparison between the throne of Allah and all of this creation? But then as the scholars say, after all of that, above all of that creation, the, the arsh of Allah, the ceiling upon all of this creation, in that vastness, then above all of that is the creator of all of this creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most high above, ba'inun, separate from this creation. And so that indicates the greatness of the creator compared to this minuscule creation. And so no comparison or resemblance can ever be made between creation and the creator. And that we've mentioned in previous times many years ago. For those with the white hairs now, Al-Wasatiyah, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, when we did Al-Wasatiyah, and Shaykh islam ibn Taymiyyah, he goes through all of those principles regarding the impermissibility of falling into ta'atil and tahrif and tashbih and tamthil, all of those different types of prohibitions. You cannot 
reject any of the names and attributes of Allah. You cannot distort the meanings of any of the names and attributes of Allah. You cannot make comparison. Tamthil is the better word rather than tashbih. Because tamthil is the word used in the Quran. So no tamthil, resemblance between Allah and the creation. And no takyif. Takyif giving some type of description even if it is not a direct resemblance you're making to something. You're giving some description. And that was the problem that the people of innovation fell into on both sides of Ahlul Sunnah. On one side you have the Mu'attila, those who went to an extreme in ending up rejecting the names and attributes of Allah or some thereof. And on the other side of Ahlul Sunnah are the Mushabbiha. And both of those extremes either side started off upon a principle that is from the principles of Ahlul Sunnah. But then they exaggerated and went into extremism in regards to understanding that principle until they fell into deviation. So the Mu'attila, they said, we cannot compare anything to Allah. True or false? Absolutely true. We must make sure that we do not do any resemblance between the Creator and the creation. Principle of Ahlul Sunnah, absolutely. But then they took that to such a level they said the only way we can be certain and safe that we are definitely not making any comparison between Allah and the creation is to just say that Allah doesn't have any names or attributes, etc. Because if we say that, it's impossible for us to be making any comparison if we don't even affirm those attributes to Allah in the first place. Exaggeration. And as Shaykh al-Islam said, in that case, you have still fallen into what you were hoping to avoid. And you have made a comparison between Allah and creation because by rejecting all of His attributes, you have now compared Allah to Adam, to nothingness, something that does not have any names, does not have any attributes, is... Nothing. Somebody says to you, describe any item. Describe a car. You can start describing tires, wheels, doors. You can start describing. Describe the moss. You can start describing. But if somebody says to you, describe to me nothingness. How do you describe nothingness? Because by the very nature of nothingness, there is nothing to Describe about it. So when they rejected all of the attributes of Allah, Shaykh al-Islam said, you've ended up doing exactly what you were claiming you're not doing. You've compared Allah to nothingness upon your aqidah. And then on the other side, the mushabbiha. They said, listen, we must affirm the attributes of Allah. True or false? True, absolutely. We cannot reject them like the mu'attila. We must affirm and believe in the names and attributes of Allah. But they took this principle of affirming them to an extreme, to an exaggeration, ghulu, to the extent they began saying that the names of Allah, the attributes of Allah, they must be, Allah would only have spoken to us and mentioned to us about his attributes in a way that we can fully understand and comprehend. And what is the only way we fully understand and comprehend something from what we see in creation? So in affirming Allah's attributes, they began affirming them to the level that they ended up comparing them to creation. Allah's hand, the hand of Allah like my hand, this uh, uh, attribute of Allah like the attribute of creation. So both sides, they began upon something of a principle that is correct, but their ghulu 
and their exaggeration and extremism led them to go beyond the boundaries of what Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah proclaim and mention and highlight in regards to the correct aqidah, and so they deviated into falsehood and batil aqidah. So the point here now then, continuing, Shaykh al-Islam mentioned, فَهَذِهِ الشَّفَاعَةِ الَّتِي يَظُنُّهَا الْمُشْرِكُونَ هِيَ مُنْتَفِيَةِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ So this intercession that the mushrikun believe in, and they think is correct, going to the shrines and the tombs and the dead, and calling upon them, and seeking for them to take your dua to Allah. All of that is muntafiyah yawm al-qiyamah. All of that is null and void and non-existent on yawm al-qiyamah. It is false. كَمَا فَنَاهَا الْقُرْآنِ وَأَخْبَرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنَّهُ يَأْتِي فَيَسْجُدُ لِرَبِّهِ وَيَحْمَدُهُ لَا يَبْدَأُ بِالشَّفَاعَةِ أَوَّلًا ثُمَّ يُقَالُ لَهُ إِرْفَعْ رَأْسَكَ وَقُلْ يُسْمَعْ وَسَلْ تُعْطَى وَاشْفَعْ تُشَفَّعْ So the Qur'an has nullified what they claim of calling upon the dead to take your du'as to Allah and have your du'a answered. And the Prophet ﷺ informed us regarding the intercession that he makes on the Day of Judgment. In that hadith we mentioned two lessons ago, when the Prophet ﷺ comes before the throne of Allah to make the intercession, he doesn't just begin and start asking and making the intercession. He comes before the throne of Allah and falls into prostration. Yati fayasjud. He falls into prostration before his Lord and praises his Lord. Does not begin with the intercession straight away. Then it is said to him, Irfa Rasaka. Raise your head. Sal tu'ata. Ask and you will be given. Seek intercession and you'll be given intercession. So that again highlights that it is all by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself does not just go and begin with the intercession immediately. He awaits the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's in that narration where it mentions about the praise that the Prophet ﷺ uh, makes of Allah. And he mentions in one of the narrations, فَيُفْتَحُ عَلَيَّ بِمَحَامِدٍ لَمْ أَكُنْ أَعْرِفْهَا مِنْ قَبْلٍ Or words to the effect that certain types of praise are made known to me at that time that I did not know before. And the scholars have mentioned that is in reference to further names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as one of the evidences as well that the names of Allah are not restricted to 99 names. The names of Allah are not only 99 names even though you see the posters, the 99 names of Allah. They are not restricted to 99 and this hadith of Shafa'a is one of the evidences because on that day the messenger says he will be taught and made aware and made known to him further names that we yet now do not know. How many further names will he be made aware of? We don't know that figure. Therefore it's impossible to put a figure on how many names of Allah there are. And as we said, the scholars of hadith, uh, generally the scholars, when they searched into the book, the Qur'an and the Sunnah, some of them historically have added up already more than 99 names. There were some scholars, they got up to 130 odd names of Allah in the Qur'an and the Sunnah affirmed. Some of them 120 odd, some of them 110 odd. Some of them into the hundreds. 
So already there's more because some people they'll say to you, okay, so in that case, there are more than 99 names of Allah, but maybe we've only been taught 99 in the Quran and the Sunnah. Even that cannot really be said because some of the scholars, they found more than 99 already. So then here, Shaykh al-Islam, he mentions about the Prophet ﷺ falling in prostration and then seeking for that permission from Allah. And when that permission arrives, then he rises up and seeks that intercession. So here, أَمَّا قَوْلُهُ قُلْ قُلِ That call, say, call upon those whom you claim besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This ayah, it is as a means of rebuke upon those mushrikun. It's a rebuke upon them. Say, call upon those whom you say besides Allah. As a rebuke upon them, as a refutation upon them, that all of these you are calling upon besides Allah, they are false, and they have no reality and truth, or deserving of worship whatsoever. لَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِثْقَالَ Then, the proof once again is given, one of the explanations in the ayah is given, as to why they are not deserving to be called upon, as to why they are not deserving of you seeking intercession from them. And that is where Allah mentions, لَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةً They do not control or own, have any power over even the tiniest thing, even an atom's weight as they say, in the heavens or the earth. وَمَا لَهُمْ فِيهِمَا مِنْ شِرْكٍ And وَمَا لَهُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ ظَهِيرٍ وَلَا تَنْفَعُ شَفَاعَةُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ ذَلِكَ أَنَّ الْمَدْعُوْ لَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَتَوَفَّرْ فِيهِ أَحَدُ هَذِهِ الْأَحْوَالِ And that is because, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, anyone you call upon for something, that individual, that thing that you are calling upon for something, must have one of the following to be deserving of you to call upon them. The first, إِمَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ مَالِكًا لِلْمَطْلُوبِ مِنْهُ That whoever, whatever you are calling upon for something, that person, so-called deity, whatever, must be in possession of what you are requesting from them. They must be مَالِكًا لِلْمَطْلُوبِ مِنْهُ they must be in possession of what you are requesting and calling upon them for. فَأَنْتَ إِذَا طَلَبْتَ مِنْ أَحَدٍ شَيْئًا فَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَكُونَ مَالِكًا لَهُ If you request something of someone, then obviously that person must have that in the first place. You wouldn't go to a brother who doesn't drive, hasn't got a license, hasn't got a car, and say to him, brother, can I borrow your car tomorrow? He doesn't have it in the first place. You are going to request something from someone who must have that thing to be able to answer your request. And these individuals, the deceased, the so-called deities that they call upon, do they have control of anything, possess anything from that which is being sought from them? Nothing whatsoever. لا يملكون مثقال ذره. They do not have anything, have control or power over anything that you are calling upon them for. So how can you be calling upon them? إذا دعاؤهم باطل. كيف تطلبون من أناس لا يملكون ما تطلبونه منهم? How can you be calling upon those who do not control or have what you are requesting from them in the first place? The second, الْحَالَ الثَّانِيَةِ إِذَا لَمْ يَكُنْ مَالِكًا فَلَا أَقَلَّ مِنْ أَنْ يَكُونَ شَرِيكًا لِلْمَالِكِ Even if that person you are requesting from hasn't got what you want, then at the minimum they must have access to it somehow. They must have some partnership with someone else. 
So this guy you're asking, can I borrow your car? He hasn't got one, but his brother has one and he has access to it and he paid for half of it. In, in future, when he passes his test, he's going to drive it. So he has some partnership with his brother in his car. So maybe that way you are requesting from him, even though he doesn't drive, he hasn't got a car, hasn't got his license yet, but he has a partnership with his brother who's already passed. He's already paid half for his brother to get the car. He's going to drive it afterwards too when he passes. So now he is a participant in that item with someone else. So you could claim I'm requesting it from him, not because he's got it, but he's a participant with someone who's got it. So again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates that. Do they have any participation? Do they have any partnership, any control via that route in the heavens and the earth alongside with Allah? Are they participants in any way with Allah in what Allah controls? Then that is also negated. So that is no possibility of justification in calling upon the deceased and deities. The third possibility, even if the person you are calling upon doesn't own that thing, neither is he a participant or has some share with someone else in that thing, but maybe he is a helper to someone who has that thing. إِذَا لَمْ يَكُنْ مَالِكًا لِشَيْءٍ وَلَا شَرِيكًا فِيهِ فَرُبَّمَا يَكُونُ مُعِينًا لِلْمَالِكِ وَإِذَا كَانَ مُعِينًا لِلْمَالِكِ جَازَ أَنْ يَسْتَشْفَعْ بِهِ إِلَيْهِ So maybe this person, he hasn't got his own car. He's a driver for someone else. He's a chauffeur, a personal chauffeur for someone else, employed by that other person. He himself hasn't got a car. He himself has no share in the, the, uh, the big the limousine that his driver has. He doesn't have any share in it. But he is his driver, he is his helper, he cleans, he does everything. He looks after the car. Maybe he could ask his employer, can I, would you allow me to take it for half an hour? He's a helper to him. Maybe he could ask for it. So you could claim I'm asking him. Because he has maybe some ability to request it. He is a helper to that person. So again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejects that completely. That Allah does not have from them any helper, any participant, any equal in any way. No one aiding him, no one helping him. So that argument is gone as to why they may claim they are asking of others and seeking that intercession. وَالْحَالَةُ الرَّابِعَةُ قَدْ يَكُونُ شَفِيعًا عِنْدَ الْمَالِكِ مِثْلُ مَا يَشْفَعِ النَّاسِ عِنْدَ الْمُلُوكِ وَهُمْ لَيْسَ مُلُوكًا وَلَيْسُ مُلُوكًا وَلَيْسُ شُرَكَاءَ لِلْمُلُوكِ وَلَيْسُ وُزَرَاءَ لِلْمُلُوكِ وَعَوَانًا لَكِنَّهُمْ شُفَعًا يَأْتِي ذُو جَاهُ وَمَكَانًا هذا جائز في حق المخلوقين لكن في حق الخالق لا يجوز The fourth possibility is then if all of the first three are gone that you simply go to someone who has some station and respect and dignity and has some standing with other people of authority so you're going to ask him to go and speak on your behalf because he has some state, some position himself. And so those others in an even higher position will give him more respect than you as a no one. In creation, that is possible. In creation, you may ask someone to go and speak on your behalf because that person is already an employee at a particular company, is already a manager at that company. So he may go and speak to the one who's the manager of him rather than you as a no one who the manager doesn't even know. In creation that's possible, that type of shafa'a, that type of intermediary, asking him to go and submit your, your application or whatever on your behalf, permissible. But doing that and using that logic, 
between us, the creation and the creator, haram, impermissible, not allowed. And we already covered that last lesson. Allah tells us to call upon Him directly, to make the dua to Him directly. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ That if they ask you about me, then I am close. I answer the dua of the one who calls upon me. So all of their justifications are not permissible. All of their justifications are incorrect. Then just to finish off, we have a couple of narrations at the end. وَقَالَ أَبُو هُرَيْرَةَ لَهُ صلى الله عليه وسلم من أسعد الناس بشفاعتك قال من قال لا إله إلا الله خالصا من قلبه فتلك الشفاعة لأهل الإخلاص بإذن الله ولا تكون لمن أشرك بالله So in this hadith Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه and his name was Abdul Rahman ibn Sakhar al-Dawsi upon the most popular opinion. So he asked the Prophet ﷺ, who is going to be the most uh, happiest, what did they say in the translation? Happiest? Luckiest? So who is the most happiest or who is going to be in the best position in regards to your intercession, O Messenger? And the Prophet said, مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ Whomsoever says لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ Sincerely from his heart, in the full narration, قَالْ لَقَدْ ذَنَنْتُ أَنْ لَا يَسْأَلَنِي عَنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ غَيْرُكَ يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَةِ That I thought, I considered, nobody else would ask me about this hadith other than you. لِمَا أَرَى مِنْ حُرْصِكَ عَلَى الْحَدِيثِ From that which I see of your enthusiasm for hadith. So then, he mentioned to him, the happiest of the people, those who will benefit the most with my intercession, are the ones who say, La ilaha illallah, sincerely from their hearts, that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sincerely from their hearts. فَدَلَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ شَفَاعَةَ الرَّسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم بعد إذن الله تعالى بها لا تكون إلا لأهل الإخلاص. This indicates that the intercession of the messenger it is only for the people of sincerity and tawheed. ولا تكون لأهل الشرك. And it will not be for the people of shirk. Those only of sincerity who say that shahada sincerely from their hearts and act upon it. لَمْ يَقُلْهَا بِلِسَانِهِ فَقَطْ وَإِنَّمَا قَالَهَا عَارِفًا لِمَعْنَاهَا عَامِلًا بِمُقْتَضَاهَا مُعْتَقِدًا لَهَا بِقَلْبِهِ Rather it is the one who says that, the shahada, knowing its meaning, acting upon it, and believing in it in his heart. Those people of Tawheed, they are the ones who will benefit from the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ. So all of the mushrikun, past and present, they are upon falsehood with their actions. وَحَقِيقَتُهُ أَنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ يَتَفَضَّلُ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْإِخْلَاصِ فَيَغْفِرُ لَهُمْ بِوَاسِطَةِ دُعَاءِ مَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ أَنْ يَشْبَعْ لِيُكْرِمَهُ وَيَنَالَ الْمَقَامَ الْمَحْمُودِ So the reality is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he favors the people of Tawheed, the people of Ikhlas. He gives them that virtue and forgives them via the dua of the ones whom Allah gives permission to make that dua on their behalves. Via the intercession of those whom Allah gives them permission to make intercession on behalf of the believers. Because the one who is given permission to make the intercession on behalf of others then that one, by being given permission from Allah, it is ennobling that person. It is a nobility that Allah has given you permission to seek intercession for others. فَالشَّفَاعَةُ أَلَّتِي نَفَاهَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا كَانَ فِيهَا شِرْكِ 
ولهذا أثبتت الشفاعة بإذنه مواضع وفي مواضع So the shafa'a which the Qur'an negated is the type that the mushrikun were upon. And as for the one that is affirmed, then that's with these conditions, and that is affirmed in multiple places in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. وَقَدْ بَيَّنَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنَّهَا لَا تَكُونُ إِلَّا لِأَهْلِ الْإِخْلَاصِ وَالتَّوْحِيدِ and then Ibn Taymiyyah said at the end, all of that was the speech of Ibn Taymiyyah, that Allah subha- uh, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has clarified that this shafa'ah, it will not occur except for the people of sincerity and the people of tawheed. That brings us to the end of the chapter. There are a few other points for those who have been reading the explanation. At the end of it, uh, it leads on to the topic of the dreams and the different types of dreams as well. But that is the end of the chapter regarding intercession. Next week then, inshaAllah ta'ala, we'll begin with the next chapter which is regarding guidance. Guidance and who Allah gives guidance to, who has the ability to give guidance to others. And Allah mentioned to his Prophet, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتِ You cannot guide whom you love. So that topic regarding those affairs, that chapter will begin from next week, inshaAllah ta'ala, at the same time, 8 p.m. or just after 8 p.m. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدُ عَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَّمُ Maghrib is when? One minute. So, anybody, one minute. Any question, anything to add quickly? Um, can you, when the Prophet, um, when there's a drought and the people's got the Prophet uh, to ask Allah uh, for rain, after the Prophet died and they went to his cousin, I think, uh, what, what made them do that? But, uh, so, there's a hadith that when there was a drought at the time of the Prophet, when he was alive, the hadith it mentions the Prophet was giving.